Hello, my name is Marion Wright. Welcome to this episode of Favourite Friends featuring Pastor Rita Melikin. Look, if you don't know Rita, she, along with her husband Craig, moved here from Launceston with their four kids uh, to pastor our North Campus here in Brisbane. I had only met Rita once before we recorded this episode, and I'm sure that just like me, you're going to fall instantly in love with her. My goodness, has she got some stories to tell, and I'm so grateful that she was willing to be so open about what she's learned about seeing life as this process that we're in and not just an event that is happening to us. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get lots out of it. Here's Rita. What do you think is the most interesting thing about you? Oh, for me, I think it's my heritage and it's not really even anything great, but um, my mum's Australian or was, both of my parents have passed away now, and my father was Italian. And um, for me, my whole life, that has meant something to me. I lost my father when I was 10. and oh, um so young. <clears throat> it was. Mm. And um, so I went to bed one night and when I woke up, my father had passed away and I'd never, I never oh. saw him again because back in that day you never um, – well, I don't suppose you never, but my mum was of the thought pattern that um, this would bring more grief if you went to the funeral or you saw him right. afterwards. Right. I don't think they understood that part of closure means that you have to see the end of something. So that played right. on my mind. So I think for me – that connection to him, that was interesting to me. So I wanted to search that out my whole life. And um, so, yeah, I can roll my tongue. That's interesting. Um, can you speak any Italian? Poco, poco, io parlo. Yeah, I get a bit embarrassed. I get a bit, a bit embarrassed, yeah. Um, no, that was awesome. Can, can you speak a lot of it? Not fluently. Yeah, 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 I can. Cool. And I think when you become immersed again in the yeah. culture and you're speaking with them, you yeah. do. And um, Yeah, I found that in India. It just came back. Yeah. Like, I mean, my yeah. father didn't speak much of it at home. But, yeah, Amazing. just interesting, I think, that God brought this shy person because I think you're – the things that you go through in your life, um, they are what contribute to who you are as you're getting older. And there are certain things that God's called you to be and the things that have happened in your past can either accelerate that work toward God or it can be something that tears you away for that. And I feel like I wow. kind of got lost in that process. Like I was a bit of a chatterbox, which I think I've grasped that <laughs> again in my older age I can chat a lot but um yeah I think a lot of me kind of shut down a little bit when I lost my father because in your father is your identity as well you know who you are and what you can be your father has such a great pivotal role in your life and when you lose that you kind of yeah it's not a self-esteem thing I don't think I think it's that you you don't know who you're supposed to be because you don't have that father so when I got born again the thing that drew me to God was Jesus, yes, but the father heart, like I had a father that loved me and that wanted relationship with me. So that's the thing that always makes me weep when I feel the father heart of God. So the interesting thing, I guess, about me is that I've had this quirky kind of a life, but God still had his hand on me through the ups and downs. And I mean, it's not necessarily 
um, riveting, but it's just, yeah, part of the journey, I guess. I am. I asked Pastor Robin this as well, but I'm 28. And I said to her that if you could look back and look at your 28-year-old self right now, what would you say to her? I got married when I was 25, so that's only three years in. And we had a plan Yeah. that, you know, as most couples do, um, about what we would be doing and where we would be. And so that's like three years into marriage for me. And I planned that by the time I was 30, I would have had my first child. And... Um, and that didn't happen. It happened a bit later and um, then everything kind of went south because we lost our firstborn. Um, and so for me to look back and know that, because that's a long time ago now, I'm nearly 51, so I can't do the maths in my head, but it's a while ago, over 20 years ago. And um, so for me it would be it doesn't matter what today looks like because there's always tomorrow and today isn't the end of things either you know like the plans that God has for you um like you would probably know is when you get that download for God from God and you're going yep this is going to happen it'll happen within this time frame and it will look like this the thing is our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts and for me it's going to be wait just wait and let him lead don't just get that yes this is what's going to happen and then you run ahead because it's a journey it's not a okay this is happening tomorrow and this is what it's going to look like because I mean I had this dream that I was going to we'll buy our first house and then I'd have my children in that house and they would grow up in that house they'd go to the same school and that's been completely the opposite like I'm going seriously lord what kind of sense of humor have you got I'm a because I think I lost my father I like that security of being um grounded in the one location having that church family but you know the plans that God had for me far outweighed what I felt I could cope with and what I could do I mean you know a, a heart for the nations which is I think it comes back to that whole people thing my father was ethnic and Craig's father is ethnic so when he brought us together there was that okay this is not for here and God and Craig had said to me, you know, what happens if we don't stay at this church? And I'm like, oh, don't you speak that to me? Don't you speak that to me? Hyde Park AOG was my church for life. But don't yeah, don't count your chickens before they're hatched because you don't know the plans that got God has got in store for you. Oh man, I used to think I would live in the same house for the rest of my life, yeah. like do the same job. And I've had like four jobs in the yeah. last four years. <laughs> and then we went overseas for a bit and like, I just change is so normal now. It is. I used to get really anxious about it, but yeah. now I just think, wow, I wanted security, but you can still find a lot of security in the unknown and yeah. in the walking on water bit. Like, yeah. Well, the security is not in what your income brings you into yeah. because we have been literally at the end of everything. Yeah. Like when we came back from Thailand, I had just got a job and it had only it was part-time and it only just covered the rent. Like our rent was like $720 a fortnight and I was making 750 
And then you get that little minimum from Centrelink for the kids. And we had decided that we would just get the minimum that Centrelink could give you. Because, you know, if Centrelink overpays you, then it's like a crime against the country. And then you and have you to live pay in back. fear for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, it is. And then yeah. so we just went, no, we, we will take the basic minimum. And so we lived on basically nothing. And Craig paid the rent this day and he's like, okay, Lord, you've got two weeks because that was the last rent we literally had nothing Mm. everything that we had from selling our house to the money that we'd put away for our children that was it Mm. and it was just like fear personified but God brings you to the end of yourself because Mm. he is your source and he is your supply so many times we go okay Lord I've come to Launceston because you've called us here and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we can see how you want to use us here. Mm. And he's like, no, the journey is more about what he wants to do in you before he does the thing through you. So that's why I'm saying before, just wait and see. He wants to put you over here, but there's this whole lot of stuff that he needs to accomplish in your life before you can even begin to crawl sometimes. And, oh, it just was scary, 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 scary. He is everything. Pastor um, Banning Liebscher, when he was here a few years ago, he did our encounter conference and he was talking about, you know, the process um, that God takes you on. And he did it physically on the stage and it was quite funny when you looked at it because he said, we think it's going to be linear, like it's A, yes. B, C, D, you yes. know, and God said this and therefore this and this. And then he said, but we go from A to K and then to J and then to D and then to B and then we're back at A and we're like, what the heck? Yeah. Like, what are we doing back here again? Absolutely. I thought we were past this and then suddenly you're at M and then, you know, God's taking you back to B. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, so he's walking around on stage and at one point he's got his back to us and He's like, how am I here again? And yep. it's so like that. It is. And it absolutely is. But, you know, Craig preached this one time, this sermon in Thailand. Um, and he said to me, I want you to go sit over here. And then he said to my friend Krista, who's a redhead as well, um, I want you to sit over here next to Reet. And we didn't know what he was up to. And he did that exact same thing. He was mm. talking about the process of your walk in the Lord. Mm. And like, you know that God's called you to the nations. Mm. But what does that look like in mm. reality? Oh, yes, you take your first missions trip there. And mm. then you'll take a few more. And then you'll make relationship. And then God will establish you there. And then you'll go from there and you'll do this and this and this. Mm. But it never is like that. Like you're saying, this guy is back and forth and around and around. And Craig Craig said, God is like this. He goes, I can see Reet over there. And I can make a beeline for her because God... God promised me her but this is what he has said he's gone okay I'll go I'll take you to the left and there are people that you will gather on your journey and he goes and you meet all these other people and they are what they're a part of the process of God working in and through your life and those connections God will use in your future and then he bring 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 brought I don't know he, <laughs> he collected Scott yeah. and he brought him along and when they finally got to us there was myself and there was Krista. And he said, and if he had just made that that straight line, he would have been crushing people in the process. That's a short distance, but you're immature in that process and you're hurting people along the way. This way God is maturing you and you're bringing people on that journey with you. It's just mm. incredible. And for us, it's been the journey of bringing our children mm. with us because they've seen us with nothing. Mm. and um, But they've mm. known how to love and, and live Um, in the moment as well, trusting that, you know, when they're really little, they don't know anything that's going on. It's when they're older 
that they um, can see how we've made it through those past times. They can look back. And even that move up to here, it was a shock to them. Like seriously, the girls, oh my goodness, it was like we had ruined their life. There were tears galore, screaming. It was, and Craig just completely shut down. But I was prepared for it because for me, it was a process that God had been bringing me through from the beginning of last year. So I knew there was change coming. I didn't know what it looked like though. Um, but for them, the change had been that Pastor Pete and Kaz had left and the change had been that we'd come under IC. Um, the change wasn't that they were leaving their friends as teenagers now that they've established. And, you know, teens are quite... That's um, tough. Yeah, it, it is. is. Tough. It's a real, it's, they're really formative years. Yeah, they, they are. Yeah. But we'd had yeah. a word from the Lord, and it was yeah. actually from Andy Goulet right at the beginning of wow. last year. You know, and because for us it was quite difficult, mm. but we knew that he, what, what Andy had said is that this next move would be good for your family and would be good for your children. And I have seen that mm. become a reality now. I've seen them begin to blossom like I've not known before. Wow. So, you know, the journey is hard and it's long, but, you know, God knows what he's doing. Mm. That's the bottom line. Mm. God knows. It's incredible. Mm. You grew up in WA. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Did you grow up in a Christian home? Was that normal for you? How did you find God? Okay. Um, my father is Italian, so you're automatically a Catholic. Right. <laughs> so I was christened as a newborn, and then I did my communion and my confirmation. But even through that, I always had a sense of God. Did you? In, yeah, yeah, I know. It's incredible. Um and, I, you know, my first year of primary school, which was grade one in WA, um, was at a public school and then we went to a Catholic school. So I went through the motions of, you know, oh, I hated the confession part because I'd have to, I'm going, Lord, you know, as a kid you don't really know the things that you've done wrong. Oh, I saw a pen on the floor and I kept it. I remember saying for my confession, I'm thinking, your behaviour <laughs> you should be addressing. But as a kid you don't know these things. Mm. But anyway, so, but I always had a sense that God was real and it wasn't because I went to a Catholic school I just believed that God had his hand on me and um and my parents my father was my mum's second husband so there are three my mum's been married twice to make it sound less confusing three children to the first marriage and my sister and I to my father whom we call papa and so my kids now call Craig papa I love that I've wanted to keep that that's kind beautiful. of connection yeah. Yeah, to my heritage. Um, so they fought a lot. And we went to Italy in um, 75, hence my passion for Italy. Never left me since the moment I set foot on that soil. Um, but I knew that there, 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 was, there was that fighting, but I didn't know. And I just remember sitting on the staircase. We had foster kids growing up in our home as well. We would do group fostering. We would have whole families as opposed to separating the children everywhere. We're the first family in WA that did that. But it was also a good and a bad thing as well because, you know, you've got Aboriginal kids coming away from their families mm. during the 70s and we were yeah, part of that really. Right. We didn't know. Um, we had like... Excuse the rain. The rain. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful rainy morning. That's it right. is. We'll just keep going. Yeah, right. So that's quite an amazing and way so to grow up. when they came back, when we came back from Italy, we were there for three months... 
things kind of accelerated a little bit and I would remember hearing them fight and I'd just be praying to God because he was the only one that I knew could fix anything. Mm. And for my 10th birthday, I actually got um, a Bible, a big children's Bible from my brother and his partner, Robin, my sister-in-law. They weren't married yet. And um, she, I remember her saying to me that she always knew that there was something special about me. Not that there's something special about me, but she, I think she could see, even in her young age, because she was about 17, that there was like this thing that God had his hand on my life. And so, I mean, my mum took my sister and I one night and ran off from my father. Wow. And we were living in Safety Bay and she took us up to like Highgate area, which is kind of near Perth. And um, my father found us, of course, and took us back. And so we grew up in a, just like a, um, a, a, you know, in two places, I guess. So one weekend with my mum and one weekend with my father. And my mum moved back down closer to where we live so she could have us after school and things like that as well. But then um, my father passed away and so mum moved back into the home. And, I mean, that was just all traumatic anyway. You know, these things Mm. happened within a short really space of time. Mm. You know, it was nine when my mum left and then I was ten and a half when my father died. Mm. And... um, then a year living down in Safety Bay, mum's like, we need to make a change. So then we moved up to Perth and my mum, you know, gathers people along the way because she's that very kind of empathetic, charismatic kind of character. We had people living with us in and out. I'd wake up in the morning because my brother was in a band and one of his jobbo mates would be asleep on the back veranda. Right. And, you know, <laughs> just all of the, you know, our, yeah. and he, you know, he would have all his band members down and they'd be playing their music and doing all this stuff. So we always had like that open home and I don't, culturally I'm guessing you do as well you know what it's like yeah I always used to get mum and dad I used to get angry at them like why can't we just have Christmas with people we know like why is it always random I don't even know them and then like why do they get more presents than us like I can understand things that you say I was telling someone the other day a story about mum just giving someone money on the train but I knew that money was for ice cream for me later yeah but then God told her to give someone like the 20 dollars that she had and we were migrants you know we yeah you didn't there have was much always an awareness that there wasn't a lot yeah and we we always just knew that and so I was so mad at her I was like you always tell us we don't have much money <laughs> and then you just gave it to someone else and she used to come home with people she met on the train like oh this is you know oh, there's this lady she met who was going through a divorce and she just met her on the train. So she brought her home for dinner and then suddenly she was just part of our lives. It was so random. And I look back on it now and I think what a beautiful way to grow up where you realize there isn't that much that separates you from the stranger on the train. Absolutely. You know, and don't you love that about her now? You might not have understood it at the time, but she is, she, I don't think I'm a hospitable person by nature, but she taught me yeah. hospitality. Yeah. And I, and that's like, you can learn it. I know there's, it's a real heart thing, but she even taught me how to shop so that there's always something for when people come over, oh, that's you know, awesome. like there's yeah. always something yeah. that um, you can feed people with. Yeah. And yeah, it's a really, it's a really beautiful way to grow. It's frustrating yeah. when you're a kid, but. Yeah, I've learned a lot of lessons from them. Yeah. Yeah. But your family are Christian, are they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, mine weren't. My mum kind of grew up 
in Bunbury of WA and um, but she used to go to church and she actually was born again as a little girl she used to go to Sunday school and things like that so she had this heritage in God but you know during the wartime her mum had left her and her two older sisters and a younger brother to fend for themselves while she was out making money and her husband was away at war so these kids grew up with nothing and I think out of that because they were left to look after themselves she's gone my children won't experience that and so she would gather people so she would gather the lonely and Mm -hmm. she didn't she wasn't necessarily walking in God but she was walking in the principles of the Mm -hmm. kingdom of God without really realizing it just loving people and um, so which is all it is, though, right? It is. Isn't that all hospitality is? Just Absolutely. find a way to love someone. Yep. Even yeah. if you've got nothing, they can come and yeah. have a cup of tea and a yeah. chat. Yeah. And so it. that's what she did. She even used to have the key in the front door. And my brother's like, Mum, seriously, why? People, oh. she goes, Well, what if I'm not home and they need to come in? He goes, If you're not home, they don't need to come in. It's all good. Just take <laughs> the key with you when you leave. <laughs> so, yeah, right. you know, in her later years, she would do that. But, you know, it was through that journey. I was about 15. We had, you know, random people living with us again. And the daughter of one of them started, she shared a bedroom with my sister and I. My sister was away, but she had a boyfriend and he slept over. And so they started having sex in the bedroom. And that was while I was awake. And I was getting so distressed, you know. And I'm just like, Lord, I didn't know what to do. And so I didn't want to tell mum or Auntie Val, who was the the mum of the daughter, and so I'd said to my sister-in-law, who was a Christian, and she used to bring me along to church with her. And so I told her what had happened. And so one night, she and her best friend, who had led her to the Lord, actually said, you know, you don't have to live this kind of life. And um, God's got better things for you. And Robin would say to me, you know, um, I've known you since you were a little girl, because she was only a little girl too when she hooked up with my brother. And um she goes, but I just know that God's always had his hand on you. And so what she did was they just led me to the Lord around the, the dining room table one night and um, I prayed the sinner's prayer and they gave me a little Bible and then I'd go to church with them. And I actually got, got baptised in the Holy Spirit and I didn't even know it at the time. Mm. You know, all of those sorts of things. You know, the people God bring in your life, even when you're unsaved. Robin was just this young girl, pregnant at 17 to my brother, and um she later on gets saved and she leads me to the Lord. You know what I mean? Life is a journey and it was just incredible. And it was from that point, like her best friend, Helen, her husband and my brother used to be in a band together. Her husband was the brother and my, I mean, the drummer and my brother was the singer. And so um, Helen used to, when I moved up to Perth, used to bring me along to certain things that were on around. So she took me to see Reinhard Bonnke and I got saved again because, you know, when you're young, you just think you need to get saved every time you go (laughs) answer an altar call. You just, you don't understand the grace of salvation. And um, so then I started going to Hyde Park AOG and really I've never walked away from God since then. I mean, you have your ups and downs and you walk that fleshly line, especially as a teenager. But um, basically I've stayed in church since I, was, I started going to Hyde Park Assemblies of God when I was 16. How did your mum react to you getting saved? Oh, she didn't church? like it because she thought I was great already, you know what I mean? There was right. nothing wrong with you because she's right. looking at it at a natural aspect. When you look at my family, um, there's many different kinds of personalities within my family and... Um, Mum always said to me that 
you know, if Papa said to me, sit down, I would sit down, stand up, I would stand up, I wouldn't argue back type of thing. I argue back plenty now because I've discovered that I don't have to stand for things as well and that I have a voice. But when I was younger, I didn't understand that. I just was obedient. And um, whereas my other siblings weren't necessarily quite in that same boat. So she saw me as already being well behaved. She didn't understand that a salvation was about my eternity and being reconciled to my heavenly father. That came later on, I think. Um, so she wouldn't let me get baptized until I was 16. So once I was 16, she goes, okay, you've been born again, you know, going to church for long enough. I give you permission to make that decision of your own. Because she'd baptised me and I'd done everything in the Catholic Church. My mum wasn't a Catholic or anything, mind you. But um, I think to her, she was still holding on to who my father was, you know, because they never divorced and she loved him. She just couldn't live with him because he had all sorts of issues. But, you know, that's life, I guess. So you... Your father passed away at 10. Yeah. That's young to experience grief. Yeah. How did that change you and how did that affect your early walk with God? Well, I think, well, that changed me in that. I think it kept me soft though, you know what I mean? Like, Mm. Which I I would also think it could be the opposite. Yeah, and I think... sometimes you can close yourself off to God in those moments. That happened with my sister. Right. Um, And she became more and more rebellious as the years got older. And I think because she was... He died just before her ninth birthday as well. And so, yeah, it is. It's Mm. super sad. And I can just, her life has been a life, makes me cry actually, of self-destruction. Right. And, um, but, and, and she was offered the same opportunities that I was as well. You know what I mean? She, I would get her to come with me. Like we actually went to Rhema. I don't know if you've heard of Rhema. It was a fairly big church, River Riverview, whatever it is now. And so the, you know, we would go along to there before I started going along to Hyde Park AOG and because um, it was kind of local. I lived in North Perth and that was just across the river. Mm. And um, so, but she's like, yeah, no, nah, this is not for me type of thing. And so we grew up under the same roof and I guess that can be anywhere. You can go through the same things, but the softness of your heart toward God and it's not allowing your circumstances to dictate who you become because you get to a point where they're no longer somebody else's fault you know the choices that you make now are choices that you have to take responsibility for and um, I mean I just feel so blessed that God kept my heart soft through those things and um, yeah I feel like crying now when I talk about these kind of things because She's still far from God, you know, like even when my mum passed away, we couldn't find her, oh, you know. Wow. My mum was in the hospital for a week, um, unconscious, and we couldn't find, I won't necessarily say her name, um, we couldn't find her, and so she turned up at the funeral. She never got a chance to see her and say goodbye before she died. But the beauty of it is that um, my one of my brothers, Greg, and his two sons, or two of his three sons, were in the room, and myself and my two boys were in there when mum passed away. And that was an opportunity that I didn't get with my father. But I think it was just beautiful because we were talking about um, mum. 
because she was hilarious, you know, just, you know, I believe she was saved and I believe that she, you know, she's with the Lord, even though her external behavior didn't always, um, you know, what they call that the sanctification of the flesh wasn't always there. But her love of people, and she goes to me, Rick, you don't know, just because I might do this stuff or be this way. She goes, I pray and I talk to God and he talks to me. And so that's the thing. Never look at the outside and determine where a person's heart is. And so we would just talk about some of the really naughty things that she would do and the funny things that she would say. And the older people get sometimes the less filter they Oh, I love have. that. And they're just so yeah. honest and raw. Yeah. And you're just like, seriously, mum, don't say that in public. Yeah. I quietly can't wait till I get to that stage, <laughs> though. Because then I could just be like, guys, I'm old. I can yeah, say Yeah, that's right. Stuff. It's free. <laughs> and my kids are like, mum, you're just getting like nonna. Oh. You... <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's great. When did you first have the revelation of God the Father? Do you remember? Because I, I, I could imagine there was a gap, yeah. you know, like a real hole where, yeah, like you were saying before, yeah. fathers are important. Yeah. And you can't, and when you're a kid, you don't necessarily know that and no. you can't articulate that either. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. And even when I was first saved, I didn't recognize that. But there was one time. I think when it just came crashing down on me, and I don't even remember the name of this guy. We were youth pastors at a at a church in um, in Perth, um, Dream Life, and we had this kind of prophetic guy. He's actually really quite powerful, a little bit older. He's an Australian guy who had just come to ministry, and we had him for youth. And um, he called myself and Matt, one of the young leaders at church, to come out the front, and he told us. He held us by the hand and he asked us to remember about how we thought about God and our salvation. I'm just going, okay. And as I just began to reflect on that, I said the words, like, God's my, he was like my dad. And that's what brought me to salvation. I didn't understand that. And as soon as I articulated those words, the power of God just hit me and I was out on the floor for the count. Oh, I just got goosebumps. And I was just like, (laughs) you're my dad. Like I have felt like I've walked through this thing, but I haven't. He's been my father from the beginning, from when I was, you know, even before I understood, you know, before I was saved at 15, that I had lost my father when I was 10. But even before then, he was my father from the very beginning. And, and salvation just reconciled me to that, the father heart of God. And it's incredible. It's so incredible. And it's, yeah. And I think for Matt, it was exactly the same thing. And when he said it too, the power of God just hit him. It was just like, oh. And sometimes we don't understand what it is that brings us to salvation. And we can't articulate it till later on. And, you know, we can walk years and decades without fully understanding what it was, that pivotal moment that brought us to salvation. But we've just felt that we will never be the same again until we say yes to God. Well, we just want to let you know something very important coming up in the calendar is our Favour Women's Conference starting on Friday the 27th of July. We want to invite you to come together with all the girls right across Australia and even Mumbai and we're going to really press into God. It's going to be very powerful, very practical and I'd love to see you there.
you were 16 when you were going to church. When did you meet Craig? Tell me about meeting Craig. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about that. Um, well, he, I went to Hyde Park Assemblies of God. And like I said before, I was the kind of person who was going to stay in the same church for the rest of my life. And I had said to God, because it was during the 80s, was it the 80s? Yeah, because Craig and I got married in 92. Um, during the 80s was when, I don't know, I loved church actually in the 80s and especially in WA. We were really kind of tight with other churches in um, the metro area really within Perth. And even, you know, people coming down from Carnarvon, they would always connect. So our youth leader at the time, Ken Fletcher, was from Carnarvon. So there was that connection with Carnarvon and... and um, High Park Assemblies of God was like the first AAG church in Western Australia to have its own building. And um, so we connected plenty with all of these different groups, not just in the metro area, but at Easter camp, everybody would come from the whole state. And we loved it, loved it, loved it. And so you'd get to meet plenty of guys. And so camp was where you met them. On the odd chance that your youth group was on a Friday and theirs was on a Saturday, you'd be your youth on Friday and you'd go shopping, I guess. (laughs) On the Saturday, oh, you know, we just <laughs> felt hilarious. led of the Lord to come see what's what God is what's doing in offer? your <laughs> community, your church. And um, but I went, That's no, great. I was so because I was so timid, I wasn't going anywhere. And I'd said, God, right. if you want me to have a husband, and I never felt great about myself. I had red hair and freckles. I'm like, seriously, Lord, red hair and freckles? That's like a double whammy of grossness. I thought it might, you know, <laughs> and so. I said, Lord, if you want me to get married, then I would like you, not you have to, which is what I believe I may have said, Lord, you've got to bring him to Hyde Park because I'm not going anywhere. Can I, did you have a list like of stuff that you wanted? I remember when I, because I grew up in church yes, and everyone said to me, have a list list, and then pray over the list. And I think the things that I wrote down when I was like 18 were so dumb, like, well, None they're kind of, of a bit were, superficial, I oh, think, totally. sometimes. Yeah. None of them were real things yeah. that you want. And that combo of stuff never actually comes to you all in yeah. one package. And I look back on it now and I'm like, oh, Mary, that was so dumb. Like, you should yeah. have just asked God, you yes. know, to give you wisdom about what you should be looking for. Yeah. Well, I mean, I did have things because I had freckles and red hair. <laughs> yes. I did. I was like, Lord, I don't want to marry somebody who's blonde. Right. Or fair skinned because that means my offspring are going to be like me. And I didn't want them (laughs) to have that for their life. Like I did the suffering that I went through. It is, even though they say it's dying out. I was, my mum was a redhead and she had five children and one of them was a redhead. And I went, oh, great. Mm. I'm the one who got the gene. Mm. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God loves redheads. Yeah, that's right. And, um, so I did have a slight list in that I wanted the spiritual side of it was I wanted somebody mm. to come from a Christian home because I mm. didn't and um, and I wanted somebody who just had a heart for God. And that's just two very simple things. And then my fleshly things were they had to be dark, haired. I didn't care what ethnicity they were, but, you know, dark colouring so that, you know, we could breed it out of me. But then if you see my kids, they're pretty white, really. I'm going... Lord, you are funny. You're funny. <laughs> because Craig's mum's a whitey. His dad's Burmese. Wow. And so. Uh, oh, yeah. my gosh. 
So yeah, you I don't people think I've ever met anyone Burmese before. Yeah, and it's just so funny because he's he's actually found found out that his nana, who we thought was born in Burma, was actually born in India. Wow. So there's this kind of, and there's like this Irish theme running <laughs> through the men yeah. in Craig's dad's side of the family yeah. as well. And so he's got Irish in him on his side, which is why he's hairy, except for. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so there's a bit of Indian and Burmese and Irish on Craig's side That's of the family. That's a cool mix. Yeah. It's a cool mix. So you met Craig? Yep. He came to my church. Because I had said to, and I really believe God honoured that. I was being faithful to my church and I wasn't leaving it for that kind of reason. And lots of girls did leave them and a lot of their marriages bust up really, let's be honest. And a lot of them um, found guys who were on the, not fully sold out for God, I guess, you know, were kind of skirting youth group and and you know and and that happens too girls really need to be wary of that and guys too because when you're young you're not thinking with your brain you're thinking with your flesh and that's 100 percent true and you can deny it all you like but it's the way that god has created us and we look and we see and the things that are lovely we want and but the thing is, like I was saying before, it's a journey. And if you don't run ahead of God, God will bring those things into your life that you need to have at the right time. And I believe God brought Craig into my life at the right time because I had prayed and said, Lord, I'm not going anywhere. And if you want somebody, then bring him to me. And um, so he did. And Craig's actually younger than me. I got this prophetic word. I think I shared it earlier on this year that... When I was 18, I was seeing a guy at work because I crashed my car into a pine tree at work. You know, dumb 18-year-old. See, you know, not always paying attention <laughs> when you're 18. And um, and because I'm Italian-ish, he was Italian and, you know, my heart went pitter-patter. But, and so we were seeing each other. But then I'm going, hold on. In the 80s, nobody's telling you about stay in the church, keep close to God. You know, in, in the 80s it was everybody was getting married as soon as they turned 18 type mm. things in the church. And I think that's a leftover from AOG being planted by UK really. Mm. And that's what I think as well because the whole church was filled with everybody from an English background just about. And um, so they were. They got married young, they started their families young, they had their homes and they were, you know, but, you know, I didn't live that life. I came from an unsafe family and my mum had been married twice. And, you know, God was shaking up the church a little bit like that. And so there wasn't that teaching, especially in youth, about waiting. And um, and nobody talked about relationships, be mm. they sexual or otherwise, mm. in church within youth group. And that's the perfect place to begin to address these things mm. when the kids are being faced with it. So... It must have been God, of course. I'm not going to think these things are my own. God's, I felt like, oh, okay, Lord, is this right? Mm. And so I asked him and I said, Lord, if this isn't right, can you tell me? And in that simple prayer, you know, God answered me at the age of 18 prophetically just outside of the church meeting to say, God has heard the cries of your heart and this guy that you are seeing, he is not the one for you. Like literally he is not the one for you. Whoa. And I just went, 
Okay, but there was more. And she's going, God is preparing a husband for you. Wow. And he is, And she gave me some scriptures as well about, you know, just trusting in God and he will give you the desires of your heart, bringing, putting him first. So it's always seeking first the kingdom of God. Then the things, and God's put those desires in your life. So it's not like he's saying no. It's just saying wait. I will give you the desires of your heart if you seek me first. And um, and he saved and he saved me. And he came not just to save me, but to save my household. And I'm still holding on to that. I have not seen the, the fulfillment of that, but I'm trusting in God for those things. And so, you know, later on during the years, I'd go, you know, sharing with different youth groups, you know, separating the girls from the boys and just talking about relationships and talking about sex and all these kinds of things, um, you know, the reason God said to me at the age of 18 that he was preparing a husband for me is because Craig was 13 at the time that I got this prophetic I know, word. I know. I was and telling you think Josh about that, about you're just going, oh, my goodness, that is so <laughs> gross. 13. And at 13 and 18, you think, no, there's no way. And I never wanted anybody to be younger than me. So God had to do this work in my life yeah. mentally because when Craig came into the church, I didn't even notice him. Like he was like 16 years old. And you're not going to notice a 16-year-old when you're 22. And so I went off to Italy. And when I came back from Italy, I noticed him. Because he'd started actually, he couldn't drive, of course. He was becoming a degree group, not of his own esteem under somebody mm. else's um, driving. And um, so he couldn't always stay. And his parents didn't live as close to church as the rest of us did. And... Um, So he'd have to rely on other people to bring him to youth suppers and stuff like that. But I would notice whenever there was a prayer meeting, he was front and centre. The praise and worship, he would be arms raised, not paying attention to anybody else, just in it for God. And that began to speak to my heart. And that's what I noticed about him. But there was always that, yeah, no. I didn't even think of it beyond that. But I found that attractive, Mm. is that he had a heart for God. Mm. And um, so then... You know, you, you dismiss it. You really do. And so by the time he was 18, I had kind of noticed him more. Still didn't have his license. Seriously, this guy was so <laughs> slack. I had to force him to get his license. I thought, I'm not driving you. I lived Fair in North enough. Perth. Yeah. I lived in the city and I worked just outside of the city. You yeah. know, five minutes. I'm like, drive jolly 40 minutes to get to your house all the time. Um, so, yes, he got his license. But then, yeah. And so that's and can how I just it all say, happened. I told my husband that Craig asked you out. He was 18 yeah. and you were 22. And Josh was like, what a boss. Yeah. <laughs> like, what 18-year-old has the confidence to ask out a 22-year-old I know. chick? Like, what a guy. And he was he so was, funny. and he So was, if Craig listens to this, Craig, you have my husband's respect yeah. <laughs> like, for that. He, that already, a, he already has tickets on himself. He doesn't need anybody else to put more on him. I think a lot of young women really struggle with this idea of the one yeah and getting it wrong and um I remember being afraid of dating when yeah. I was young because I didn't want to invest my emotions in the wrong person yeah. but I probably wasn't walking as closely with God as I could have yeah. been and I didn't know how to listen for that voice and and like you said when you're younger you really operate at your flesh hormones, level, yeah. yeah, you're not always operating out of wisdom. Yeah, what 
like if you could speak to young women now and say anything about making the right choice or making the God choice yeah. um, about a future life partner, what, what advice could you give them? Yep, just staying in him. And I know that sounds so simple, but and yet it can mm. be so hard because I know a lot of the time we're going, Lord, what's your perfect will? Because we talk about the perfect will of God and the passive will of God. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, And I've heard plenty of people say that there are many people that you are compatible with Mm. You know what I mean? And like I there's can, no such thing as the, the one. one. Yeah, yeah, right. And, it, and if they die and you never meet, you know, like serendipity and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. And if you've watched The Lake House, I love that movie. It's kind of dumb, but I really love it. You <laughs> know, if okay. you're meant to be, you'll find each other. <laughs> yeah, right. But um, for me, God knows what you need. Mm. And your calling is all wrapped up in that too. Mm. And I remember reading a book I think it was actually by Benny Hinn and it was about Catherine Kuhlman, you know, and right. she had spent her whole life serving God and um, but had desired to have a husband. And so she stepped out of her ministry and out of her calling for that. I believe that if God wants a husband for you, if the two of you are to become the one, he he will bring you and your callings will marry one another and you don't have to let go of those things in God. Yeah, right. And the way that you will be able to recognize that is by staying close to him. You know, I feel like time is short now. You mm. know, like I, th- I felt like we seem so desperate before, you know, because it's better to marry than to burn. And he who finds a wife finds a good thing. You know, I don't think women probably burn as much as men do. But having said mm. that, girls are so much more privy through social media and the internet to things of a sexual nature and Mm. the life that everybody else is living now that they're more desperate internally for those things that other people have Mm. and a lot of that is not reality Mm. and you get people's best face but you'll see you know them living the life for me I did want all those things. I wanted to have a house and a home and to raise children. And what happens when you don't see those things come into your life in the time Mm. that you've expected them to? Do you walk away from God? You know, and I came to that kind of crossroads and it wasn't even in the relationship side of things because I was 25 nearly by the time we got married. And that was old compared to everybody else. You know, we dated for a year and then we were engaged for a year because Craig's family had gone overseas. My trust had to always be that this is right. If, if it's in God, it will last. And if it's not, don't. For me, seeking first the kingdom of God and living that lifestyle of accountability to one another, because you know when you're young, you know your girlfriend of the same age is going to say, oh, yes, he's good, he could be the one. You need to have somebody who's like an older sister, not necessarily your mum, but you have to have somebody who's that mentor or that nurturer who's experienced things that you haven't because people of your peer age they don't know. Like they seriously have not got a clue. But then don't you also think you have to be ready and willing to act on the wisdom that someone yes, else gives you? That's right. Because you it's one thing heart. to ask for it. Yeah. And then I know that I've been in situations where I've disagreed so strongly. Yeah. 
But yeah, you can't argue with wisdom, especially the wisdom of someone who's walked yeah. before you and yeah. been through that. So yeah, you're absolutely right. But the willingness to grow and want yeah. to grow is also like, yeah, the humility yeah. has to be there. Yeah. yeah. And I think if your relationship is right, um, if you pick a mentor or somebody who's going to nurture you, and a, a nurturer really is not a mentor, I don't think, because a mentor says... Um, you can only come up to my height, really. You're, I can only mentor you in the things that I've experienced and the things that I know. But the, the father is one aspect of God, but then the mother, the nurturer, says, I can see that God wants to do this in your life and you'll do greater than I've ever done. You'll do more. And I can see that the trajectory of the path you're going on is going to take you away from your calling, you know, and people can say the right things. Like a guy can look and say, and a girl as well, and be those things and play the part. Mm. So if you are not close to God and the person that you're allowing to speak into your life really Mm. doesn't have God's wisdom, then you're up the creek without a paddle, really. Mm. You need to keep close to God. So just keep in that that prayerful, live a life of surrender. Mm. You know, like for me, and this last year has just been really incredible, is, Lord, whatever it looks like, I surrender to the process. And you've got to make that decision knowing that you're not always going to like what it looks like. Your flesh is going to cry out and die really but that's that's part of surrender if we want the fullness of the promises of god then we've got to surrender to the process because they will never happen the promises come at come at a price can i ask you about mentoring yeah when i was younger i um you know when you grow up in church there is this real get a mentor and it'll take you places vibe um and i never really knew um how to how to find a mentor Um, and I think as I've gotten older, I've kind of learned that mentoring is different to what I had in my head. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, anyone's words that I apply to my life have mentored me. You know, I could easily yeah, say that absolutely. Oswald Chambers has mentored me because yeah. I've, you know, done his devotionals for years and, um, any word that, you know, any of the preachers, the incredible preachers in our church have spoken, I've applied those to my life. I would call them mentors to me, but they've done it at a distance. So what, what would you say to women about seeking mentoring? How do we do that? Because real life is really busy. Sometimes we don't get these, we imagine these really, you know, like rich and fulfilling mentoring relationships. And this person's my mentor. And you know, what, what does that look like in 2018? Yeah. What should we be looking for in a mentor? Yep. Well, I mean, I don't believe I actually had what we call a mentor, the way that we would imagine it, somebody who would speak into my life on a regular basis. And I think the same with you, you we had this life where we'd imagine that we would be in the one location we'd have the same friends and our kids would grow up but life is not like that and the call of God means that we have to release things in order to embrace the new and so you're not always going to have those people I know that it's important to have accountability in that but the people that you allow to speak in your life it can be you can somebody's going to me I'm mentored by Joyce Myers mm. or Maya however you say her name absolutely but for me I think it's important to have like a tangible relationship too because Joyce Meyer can't answer you back when you've got a question kind of thing you can glean from her life and her experiences but 
walking beside somebody, you see how they work through their problems. And the young adults leader from um, IC in Launceston, Taz Devadas, who I miss her so dearly. She's just gold, absolute gold. Hi, Taz, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) She asked me if I would be her mentor, I guess, kind of thing. But for me, I got as much out of it as she did. And she was like super busy in not just her lifestyle is busy, but her work life is busy. And her and her family are all about people. And they'll take in the brokenhearted and the wounded. And they have time for everybody. doesn't matter what they look like. Their home is always open, Um, which means her time is not, is in short supply, I guess. And so we just found a time that was suitable for both of us. I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and um, she worked every day and she would often be away with her work as well. So on a Thursday, often we'd come in early and just go for a cuppa and just spend some time just talking about whatever she's thinking about at the time. You know what I mean? Like, and, you know, this is what I've been feeling, you know, how are you dealing with that? Or even just regular things, you know, how do you fast? What is it that you do? And and that's different for everybody again, but you can share what you've been going through. So I think it's just walking beside somebody and taking those opportunities to have a cuppa. And um, there would be times when we would be able to not, we couldn't always pray together, but we would spend time with the young adults and then you can minister to them in a greater way as well because relationship for me is the basis of everything without it we don't have a walk with God and without it we don't have a walk with our spouse or our children or anything we can't live life without connection Mm. really and it has to be more than a Sunday Mm. but don't despise the fact that we don't have time Mm. because in reality we can find half an hour really can't we to have Mm. a coffee before work or after work come and have a meal with me just come to my place and yeah life happens during life yeah and so yeah just have a meal together I love that I think the other thing I've learned is that if I want it I have to initiate it oh yes like and I I say this to students all the time that I teach I won't know that you need help until you tell me I wish I had a device where I could read the minds of everyone in this room but if you don't talk to me I don't know what to give you absolutely I can't do it and I think that no one knows that you're drowning unless you tell them, Yeah, you know, and there's no shame yeah. in saying I'm having a really crappy time. Oh, I don't absolutely. know if I'm allowed to say that. And there's but, no judgment But that's there. life. Yeah. And I think the other thing is that sometimes it's seasonal. Yeah. Sometimes there's just seasons where you need someone to yeah. walk beside you. Yeah. And then other seasons there's, you know, it's different. Yeah. And you're hearing God differently and as yeah. well. But yeah, it's, I don't think that, I think one of the things I love about our church and probably the heart of the podcast comes from this as well, but Pastor Joe's ministry has always been to pass it on, you know, the wisdom and the inheritance of the women who have walked before you pass it on. Like it's just, we're not meant to do life in isolation at all. And there's no shame in saying, I haven't opened my Bible in a week, you know, because it's just been a bad week and that's all right. Yeah. Yeah.
Thank you so much for listening. Look, in the next episode, we've got more coming up from Rita. She actually shares a story about walking through a season of grief after she lost a child. Here's a little listen. Like I found people going, oh, it's all right, you're young, you'll have more. Shut up, I don't care. You know, that's not how I'm feeling right now. You know, I don't care that I'm young and I have a future. The, the child that I thought was promised for me has been gone. Does that mean God's changed his mind? And then I thought, what have I done? You know, you, begin, you go through all of these dumb things and they are natural responses. And God understands that and you can yell and I'm just going, God, where are you? You said this. You said this. And um, I found that I couldn't hear his voice anymore. It is an incredible story and definitely worth tuning in for next time. Hey, if you want to share this episode with someone you know, don't forget to subscribe to us in iTunes as well. We're on Insta over at favor.women, so come say hi or find out more about us at icchurch.com. I'll see you next time.